0: The following is a Thunderbolt West Media Production. Today I'm talking steam engines and wind turbines and ways to generate power. You are listening to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show with Jim Calhoun. The storm was coming, the sky It's my opinion that we should be prepared to lean on our faith and be able to step out on the sea. Thanks for tuning in to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. I'm your host, Jim Calhoun. This show features off-grid topics such as creating your own power, gardening, homesteading, and other issues related to off-grid living. I also seek to educate my listeners about survival and prepping, and I'll talk about anything from government corruption to chemtrails. Also, I feel that our constitutional republic is worth saving. So I never miss an opportunity to do my part in helping to save our republic. I have two main goals for this show. Number one, to help you build your faith in God. And number two, to help each listener become as self-sufficient as possible. This show originates at the Harmony Barn Studios, located near Hershey, Nebraska, in the United States of America. The Living Off Grid Power and Information Show airs on global shortwave stations, WBCQ, Monticello, Maine, at frequency 7.490, and also on WRMI, Radio Miami International, on frequency 5850. And you can tune in to Key Radio, 89.3 FM, in Osage Beach, Missouri. And this show is also available on demand on Spreaker, Anchor, Podpoint, Podpage, and Red Circle. My email address is jim at offgridliving.faith, and be sure to visit my website, which is offgridliving.faith. And I sure appreciate you tuning in today. Well, today I'm going to go to some letters. I promised I was going to answer some letters. And I've got so many of them that if you don't hear your letter being answered, well, that's just because I'm kind of behind. And I want to thank everyone who's been sending in articles and also different stories of what they're doing on their homesteads, and it's really interesting. And I have to say this with all sincerity, I think that the listeners of this show are pretty smart. I really have received some wonderful pictures and descriptions of what people are doing with their preparations, and I've got to say that there's a lot of you that are way ahead of me. I was telling someone the other day, I was having supper with someone, and I told them that my listeners were so bright that I needed to listen to them instead of them listen to me. And so I really have to say kudos to my listeners, because there's some really, really talented people out there that have great ideas. And so I'm just proud to be a part of that, and I'm proud that you think enough of this program to share what you're doing with me. That really means a lot to me. I've had several letters on this next topic and it's going to be my main topic. You know me, I'm going to stray off to rabbit trails here sooner than later, I'm sure. But I'm going to try to focus at least the first part of the show on something that I think that we need to all look at. And that's steam, as in steam power, the external combustion engine. If you really want to look at the steam engine, the history of it, it really was what modernized the whole industrial age that went through the late 1800s all the way through the 1900s. And I know that steam has been replaced, and mainly because there is maintenance involved with steam that isn't involved with others, and you have to watch steam pretty close. And for large projects making boilers, like for locomotives and things, It's a really complicated process to make boilers that can put out the amount of steam to do the work of, let's say, a modern diesel engine. So I understand why steam was superseded by the internal combustion engine, but the only difference really between an internal combustion engine and an external combustion engine one of them has a fire inside the engine itself and the explosions against the pistons cause the crank to turn, which in turn will spin a flywheel. And that's the whole purpose, is spinning a flywheel. And the same thing happens with a steam engine, only instead of an explosion from a, some sort of gas or a diesel, it's just pure pressure from steam. And I also should mention vacuum engines and also air pressure engines. They all do the same thing. They're just a different method of pushing on the piston. And once you understand that, then it's pretty easy. Steam engines are not complicated, neither are the other engines. They're all relatively simple, and anyone that has any kind of skill at all can build a working model of a steam engine or one of these other engines I talked about. And I'm getting ready to restore an old gasoline motor. It's an old Briggs and Stratton engine. That has a cast iron block. It was built in about 1949. And I have two of them. And they both turn. I haven't tried to start either one of them. But I had about seven days of clouds. And the day that I shouldn't have had any clouds. There were jets all over spraying. And so the sky turned white. And oh I got a little bit of power generation. Through that mist. Fog and whatever they're. Up there spraying. But it did really cut down my ability to use the electricity that I need. Now I have to water my cows. I water them with a standard three-quarter horsepower electric well pump. I have my own water wells and it consists of an electric motor and a pressure tank. And I should get a submersible type of a solar-operated pump that would really be a lot easier on electricity than trying to use the unit that I'm using. But it works well, and I keep my cattle watered. But when it's cloudy out, it's really hard to stay ahead of the cows, especially when you're feeding them dry hay. The drier the hay that you feed them, the more they drink. And I've been feeding them some very dry hay. And so I had to end up using my secondary charging system for about three days. And I'll explain that to you. It's very simple. A lot of people would not want to do this. But it works well for me. And so, what I try to do on this show is give you ideas that are outside of the box. And this definitely is outside the box. I need a 24-volt charger to charge my batteries. And so, a 12-volt off your car is not going to work. But these older cars, like I drive, you can pull the batteries out and the car stays running. It'll run off its own alternator power it'll run off the electricity that the alternator provides the car. And so once you start the car, you can pull the battery. And so I have to tell you that's the kind of car that I'm using. But what I do is I pull the battery out, and I pull the 12-volt alternator off, and then I, of course, keep the wiring all separate, and I keep the alternator hooked up. I just scoot it over to a different part of the engine compartment, where it's safe and out of the way. And then I have a 24-volt alternator that's the exact same housing as the 12-volt, it's just the innards are different. And so I install the 24-volt alternator on my car, and then I reinstall the battery, but it's not hooked up to this new alternator because it's 24-volt, and of course your car is 12-volt. That just wouldn't work. And so the positive wire off that 24-volt is isolated, from my 12 volt system and i have a heavy cable that i connect from the 24 volt alternator directly to my battery bank and then i start the car with the battery now of course the car's not charging at all it's running off the battery power only but i can run it almost 10 hours before the battery gets low and i can run it like five hours and then come back and restart the car on that same battery and run it another 5 or 6 hours at times. So my car really doesn't take that much electricity to keep it running. Then I just set my car on a fast idle and I'm putting 40 amps into my battery bank so it doesn't take very long, takes about 20 minutes to go ahead and bring everything to a decent charge, but if I really want to put the amperage in and want to build my battery bank, I let it run for about an hour. Now when I'm running water for the cows, I just let the car run because that pump takes an awful lot of electricity. And I've done this now for three years and I've gotten really good at changing the alternators around. I can change out that 12 volt for the 24 volt and have everything running within about five minutes. And so it's really not that hard of a job. But when your car is tied to your battery bank and you have to use your car for something else, well you're out of luck. So that's why I've got these old Briggs and Stratton motors. I'm going to build a housing for the motors and also permanently mount that 24-volt alternator and then have a fan belt over from that motor running my 24-volt alternator. And that'll be more permanent, and it won't use as much gas, and I have use of my car while I'm charging my battery banks. Now you might say, why don't I just run out and buy a generator? Well, I should. But, like I say, every time I save up money for a generator, something else comes up and says, feed me. And unfortunately, the last five or six times I've almost had enough to buy the generator I want, something has come up and pretty well depletes that fund. But I'm someone that lives within my means, and so I just solve the problem in a different way. And actually, I really do like this 24-volt alternator. It works really well. And it seems like it doesn't take that long to charge everything up. And so I decided I would go the small engine route and give that a try. But then I got some letters asking about generating power with steam. Well, I think that's a great idea. So I went on the internet and started looking at different videos and different articles about people that are actually making power with steam. And there's quite a few out there. More than what you would think. And most of the people that are making power with their steam engines, they make the engines themselves. And so I've spent the last three days kind of on a how to mission of how to build a steam engine. And I've decided two things. Number one, I really need to do that instead of the gasoline engine. I'm still going to rebuild these gasoline engines because why have them laying around if they don't run? So I'm going to go ahead and get them fixed, but I think that the steam really intrigued me because there was a guy generating power, and all he was using was kindling, and he had a homemade little steam engine, and that little dude was really going, and it was really turning the alternator. He had to gear it. He had to make different sizes of pulleys so the alternator would spin fast enough, but he had no trouble at all. And it didn't take him long to get up to steam either, even though he was using wood. And other people were using natural gas or propane. They didn't tell me which one, but it was one or the other. And they had their boilers, they were getting nice and hot, and they had their own steam engines. And I've got a newfound respect for steam engines. I know that there's a lot of power in steam. And also you have to be careful not to burn yourself and also to blow things up. But everyone who has built an engine that I saw has put a pressure relief valve on, and so I don't think they have any issues there of getting too much pressure in their boiler. Some of the guys even bought some great big old-fashioned boiler thermometers that were made out of brass, just beautiful. And, of course, some of the guys would put steam whistles onto their unit if they had a big enough boiler. And so a lot of the guys are having lots of fun with their steam engines. And one gentleman in England has a little small scale railroad that runs through his farm, and he took what seems what looked to me like shock absorbers and he used the shock absorbers as his pistons, and he was able to make a simple compressed air engine, and his little locomotive he built really works really well. He put his wife on a little car that he made and the little compressed air engine was pulling her around, and they seemed to be having lots of fun doing it. But everybody that was making these engines were just normal average people. You could tell by a few of the videos that I saw that they had a very intricate metal and woodworking ability in shop. You had people that had computerized tools and things that the average person does not have. And so I would watch those videos just to get some tips and pointers, but It was the homemade ones by the, just what I would consider shade tree mechanics. Those are the ones I really wanted to watch. And there's lots of people out there that are really smart, and I was very impressed. And so going back to my praise for the listeners of the show, I know for a fact I have listeners that have the ability and the gumption to build their own steam engine and create their own power that way. I know it can be done rather easily if you have the skills and you have the equipment to actually build these things. But I've seen steam engines made out of hydraulic cylinders. I saw steam engines made out of shock absorbers. And I've seen steam engines that they just took pipes and started cutting them up and welding things up and they made their own plungers and they made everything. And so there are some really nice designs out there. And there's also some really crude, primitive-looking things that don't look like they could possibly work, but if you watch the video till the end, you see that they get them running just fine. And so they're a very forgiving type of an engine. There was one video that was rather tedious to watch because the guy left in all his mistakes, and it took him about nine or ten tries before he had his flywheel and his piston and everything all lined up and had it, all the holes drilled in the right place and everything mounted in the right place. But I think he wanted to show everyone that you have to be persistent and also and you do have to have things right even though the tolerance levels are not near as tight as let's say a regular gas or diesel engine. And as a side note they always suggest other videos to watch And I watched a man build a water wheel, and I always thought it would take quite a bit of power to run a type of a water wheel, and it was an old-fashioned type of water wheel he built, and I know they have newer, more modern ways to hydro-generate your power. But this man just took regular PCV pipe, and so he just used a 6-inch ID pipe, and he was able to route the water, and all he did was make the water go up several inches in the pipe he kept elevating his pipe and so when the water came out the pipe it went straight down instead of using the power of the current he was just simply using the weight of the water that was coming out of the pipe and that really drove a small water wheel but he was generating power with it he had it geared just right i would say the water wheel was probably spinning Oh, forty-five 45 to maybe 60 RPM, probably no more than 60. I'd say probably closer to 45, which is very slow. But he attached a large pulley to the water wheel, and then that went to a very small pulley. And of course, that made the small pulley spin really fast. But he put that pulley on a shaft, and then off of that shaft, he put another large pulley. And then off of that large pulley, he was running his alternator. And I would guess that alternator was probably going anywhere from 750 to 1,000 RPM. And so this man really knew what he was doing. And basically, he just used scrap material from his workshop. Most of the things that he used, he used off of an old sign that it was probably a 4x8 sign. It was nice heavy wood. And so he was just recycling some old piece of wood, and that's what he built his whole water wheel on. He even used a wooden frame and everything, so... It was pretty primitive, but it sure seemed to work. Broadcasting from the United States of America, you are listening to The Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. I invite all of my listeners to go to my social media site, which is on VeteranBrigades.com. It's the only social media site that I trust. And you do not have to be a veteran to join. So go to VeteranBrigades.com, sign up, and look me up over there. And on that platform, I'm the Living Off Grid Show. And I plan on doing lots of interactive things over there with you, my audience. So please go visit me at veteranbrigades.com. I really do think that we're going to need to learn how to think outside of the box. And speaking of being put inside a box, I think that's what the powers that be want to do is put us all into a box. And I'm really stubborn, and you're not going to put me in a box, not very easily anyway. And if you put me in the box, I'm going to jump out of the box. But I think that we're going to have options taken away from us. And so, let's say you have this nice generator that's either diesel or gasoline, and it's just perfect for your needs. Well, what happens if the powers that be topple our economy, or our grid goes down, or something else happens, that petroleum fuels are no longer available? Then you're going to have this nice, beautiful generator that's just sitting there. And so I'm not saying don't buy a generator because I think you should have one. And the chances of you never being able to get gasoline or diesel, I think, are extremely slim, if not none. But we have to understand that we are in uncharted waters. We don't know what snags lay underneath the surface. And so that's why I'm putting this show together is to kind of get you thinking outside of the box. Because there's lots of ways that we can generate power. And so we need to really be diligent in thinking ahead and being one step ahead of these people that wish ill to you and your family. And we don't have to think outside of the box too awful far, because our grandparents and great-grandparents and those before, they knew the power of STEAM. Since the 18th century, STEAM has been vital in shaping our world. And so steam is tried and true. And so I really think that we have to look at steam as maybe the ultimate way that we're going to keep electricity generated if times get as bad as I think they're going to get. Right now, as I look out my window, I'm looking at just pure white skies again, and I'm really sick of white skies. Here it is, April. And in Nebraska, generally, the snow is gone. It melts pretty much as it comes down through the middle of February until the last snow. And this morning, I woke up, and once again, as it has all winter, everything was froze up, had a half-inch ice on everything, and it snowed here two days ago. And I had to drive a tractor about 10 miles today, and I was noticing in the shaded areas that we still have snow 8 to 10 inches deep. I know over this last weekend, there were lots of roads within about 50 miles of my house that had to be closed because of snow. Also, in the near future, they have a blizzard warning for parts of Nebraska, which I live in that state. And so, Nebraska's just getting hammered over and over and over with cold. And I am so sick of being cold. It seems like every day it's the same thing, just cold and windy and cold. I feel like I'm up at the North Pole. I keep looking for Rudolph. It's just been really cold. And yeah, I'm going to complain about that. But I have to say I'm so glad for global warming or else we'd really be cold here. But there has to be a way that's what I would consider a fail-safe, easy way to generate power. And if they blot out the sun with whatever they're going to blot it out with or we have natural clouds or if you live in an area where it's cloudy most of the time which there are lots of areas where solar just doesn't work and or we run out of petroleum fuels then what are we going to do well we can always use wind and I don't talk a lot about wind power on this show I've used wind power Matter of fact, I'm in an area where wind power is still being used an awful lot for pumping water for cows with windmills. And I can't tell you how many windmills I've climbed up and changed oil on those windmill motors up about 40 feet up in the air. And that's a very dirty, thankless job. And so there's an awful lot of people that use wind power here. My only real problem with wind power... It's not that the wind doesn't blow sometimes, because in this part of the world it seems to blow almost all the time, except for about two weeks in late August, when it's about 100, 105 degrees out, and the cows drink all the water down, and then the wind stops blowing, and then you're in a world of hurt getting water to your cows. That happens about every year. We have some sort of a dead spot as far as wind. But the reason that I don't talk a lot about wind is just the maintenance and also the installation of everything that's out there that they're selling. And if you have a problem, it's very hard to maintain that. It's not that they don't generate electricity, because they sure do. And I've been trying to design a wind unit that stays on the ground, that's basically a squirrel cage that spins in a circle. Instead of having a fan that spins like an airplane propeller that is vertical, I'm working on a horizontal squirrel cage that's on the ground that you can get to and work on. And I really do believe that I could get that done as well. But if you want dependable power, power that is going to be there when you need it, I don't see anything better than a steam engine that uses natural gas or propane which will get you up to heat really fast. It won't be instant, but it'll be very fast. And also, if that unit had the ability to have wood or coal as a backup, so if you can't get your natural gas or propane, you can simply just stoke the fire up with wood and just keep going. But I don't think we're going to run out of kindling. I don't think we're going to run out of wood. And steam engines are very easy to make. And steam has always been known for how powerful it is. And so I think that's one thing that we need to really look at is steam. And so I would urge anyone out there that is a prepper, that wants to have the ultimate prepping experience, that has the wherewithal and also the knowledge and the ability to build a steam engine, I think I recommend doing that. Now, I'm going to try to build one, but I really don't have time. And I don't know if I have the materials here, and I'm not going to go buy materials. I'm going to have to build it with what I have. Because a lot of people have done that, But I've watched their videos. And I would just say, go to the library and get some plans on steam engines, and or find some steam engine clubs. I know that there's a few scattered around here and there. And join one of those. And then, of course, if you have internet access, you could go on the internet but I would watch as many videos and read as many articles as you can and have a thorough understanding of exactly what you're trying to accomplish. And of course, you need to know your horsepower requirements of what you're going to need to spin whatever alternator or generator you're going to use. And you're going to also have to know what size of piston and cylinders and and what kind of flywheel and the weight of the flywheel and the the gearing and everything you're going to be able to use to get your desired RPMs. All that has to be worked out. Of course, that's just a mathematical equation. And I know there's plans out there for steam engines that you can either buy or probably download off the Internet. I haven't tried that yet. And I know that they do sell steam engine kits. You can buy all the parts and just assemble it. And that might be the right way to go, is to buy a pre-cut kit. And buy a kit that's going to have the horsepower requirements you need. And you can put that kit together in a matter of day or two. Whereas if you're scrounging for parts like I'm going to do, it might take me a year to get it done. But after the second or third video where I saw these people powering everything with a steam engine. And they were throwing in kindling. And keeping everything going. I looked at my grove of trees and all the branches and things that have come down that... I haven't got picked up yet. I have enough wood out there to generate an awful lot of power. And as a side note, if you want to go this route and build a boiler, and I would build a boiler that would be separate from your steam engine. I would build the boiler first, and that way if you never get your steam engine built, well, you have a hot water heater, and so your efforts won't be entirely wasted. But if you go ahead and finish it up as a boiler for pressure, and you hook a steam engine to it, well, if you want to get another steam engine, or if you want to get a bigger one or smaller one, whatever the case may be, you'll have that boiler will be standalone, and it can be used with any steam engine that you would have. And of course, the bigger the boiler, the more engines you could run off of it, or the more power you're going to get off the one engine. But most of the units I saw were units that would sit on your kitchen table pretty comfortably. And so I'm not talking about great big locomotives here. I'm talking about engines that would do the work of, let's say, a small Briggs and Stratton. Something like a five to seven horse is what they look like to me. And so I think that's something that we all need to look into is steam. I'll finish my thoughts and go on to other topics on the other side of the break. I really need to know who's listening and where you're listening from whether it's by shortwave or podcast or on AM or FM radio. Even if you just pop me an email and say hi, I would appreciate it. And as always, I invite listeners, give me some suggestions of topics that they'd like to hear me cover. I would really appreciate that. Once again, my email address is jim at offgridliving.faith. Please visit the website, and the website is offgridliving.faith. And also you can find links to even more information. Every one of my shows is uploaded on the website. If you enjoy the Living Off Grid Powered Information Show, I would ask that you consider donating to the show to help cover expenses because we don't get paid here. This is all done by donations and we do not take anything online as far as PayPal or any of that because of all the censorship. Not that they have shut us off, it's just I'm not going to give them the opportunity. So we're going to do it the old fashioned way, by mail, check, money order or if you want to put cash in a secure envelope, we would appreciate any donation, any size just send all your correspondence to Thunderbolt West Media P.O. Box 163 Hershey Nebraska 69143 That's Thunderbolt West Media P.O. Box 163 Hershey Nebraska 69143 and your support is greatly appreciated. This next song Was recorded in 1902 by the Edison Military Band. America, played by the Edison Military Band. Replace fear with faith. Replace pessimism with hope. Replace despair with determination. And don't be afraid to rely on God and step out on the sea. Welcome to part two of the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. This is your host, Jim Calhoun, and I really appreciate you tuning in today. Well, I've been talking about using steam, and I'm pretty high on that. So I'll keep you posted on my efforts on making a steam engine. I want to go back for a second and touch on my wind power generating that I was talking about with, instead of having the vertical fan, have a horizontal squirrel cage on the ground. Now, here's the idea that I've come up with, and I think that it's pretty sound. You would basically build a squirrel cage, and your slats would be angled, and so it would be a one-way turn. Instead of having the slats going straight out like the spokes of a wagon wheel, you would angle, and so you would really catch that power of the wind. And the trouble with a squirrel cage is the fact that when wind blows, it's going to blow on both sides of that squirrel cage. And so as it spins it one direction, as it comes back around, it will meet wind resistance at the same time that the wind's hitting it. That's the big issue. Well, I came up with a very simple idea that I think would work, and I really need to take some time and develop this idea. But I was thinking of building this in several different stages. First of all, I would be using a squirrel cage fan that would be very similar to what the squirrel cage fan is in your car that you use to circulate air through your heater and air conditioner. And of course, it would have to be fairly large because everything is about torque. And I want to go back and touch on steam one more time on the torque. I didn't mention that, and I need to. But when you're generating power, especially with steam or wind, and also, it's very relevant in gasoline engines, especially the smaller horsepower ones, as you get an awful lot of power off of your flywheel, and you need to have that for torque. Now, getting back to my squirrel cage idea, I would build the squirrel cage, and then I would build a housing for the squirrel cage. I guess I'm going to back up one little bit here. I would set a post in the ground and make sure it was perfectly 90 degrees straight. And of course it would be a metal post. I would slip a large washer over the post and weld it in place. And then I would put either a bearing or thrust washer and I'd make it greasable to where I wouldn't have any resistance as this turned. I would basically make my base like a lazy Susan that you use on your kitchen table. Something that'll spin and spin easy and not have friction. And then my idea I had to reduce the amount of friction that is coming on the backside of the blades as it comes back around to be caught by the wind again. That if you would simply build a box around your squirrel cage, and the wind would only hit that squirrel cage when the slats came around and were able to catch the wind. In other words, when the slats are facing against the wind, there would be a box in the way. You would have it boxed in. So it would spin back around freely with no wind at all. But once it came around to where the slat could start catching the wind, then there would be no box there. So you would build a box that would be half closed. You would close off the back half of your squirrel cage that would be hampering your efforts, and it would be open for the slats going the right direction. Well, You might say, well, the wind blows from different directions. How do you account for that? Well, if you make that free-floating, and you have your own brackets and your own bearings and things to where this could move very easy, all you would have to do is put a tail on your box. And so every time the wind would blow, it would automatically swing into the right location to where that tail would stay directly where it needed to be. Then if you had variable winds, of course, it would be wiggling back and forth two or three feet or whatever the variation of the wind direction would be, you'd always have the back half of your squirrel cage covered. And you'd always have those correctly angled slats in the right position to catch the maximum amount of wind. Then I would simply put an oversized pulley, a fairly large one, on top of my squirrel cage. And if I would have to gear it several times to make it faster, I could do so. And of course, this would be independent of the box. Your box wouldn't touch your pulley whatsoever. And so you can have a foot or two of clearance. Then I would put an oversized pulley on the top of my squirrel cage. And then I would use a belt to run to an alternator. And I would keep this independent of the box that I would put around to keep the wind where I wanted it. And so you'd have to get creative on how to keep everything separate and not running into each other. So you'd have to measure things out very carefully and really think it through. Like I say, I haven't built this yet. It's still in the back of my mind. Then I would simply run the heavy wire that would come off my alternator into my battery bank, and I'd have that sitting several feet away that even if the fan spun that thing around, it would by no means hit a wire or a battery or anything. So you'd have to plan it out and get your clearances right. It would be very easy to make a break to where, if you want to shut this unit off, that all you do is pull a lever. It would be very easy to put a break on the shaft, either above or below the spinning squirrel cage, because the shaft will be spinning too. Let's say you have a four inch pipe that's running up that's spinning along with your squirrel cage. Well, you can very easily put a break on that, and then you can break it to a stop and then and then simply have a way to drop an iron bar or a wood bar or something and stop the thing, or even chain it. Just have a post there that you can just chain your squirrel cage to where it can't spin. And with the brake idea, if you're having very high winds and you're afraid of everything flying apart, there are ways that you can keep that from happening, but you can easily use one of those one-piece lawnmower wheels that just has like a quarter-inch, or half-inch hole in the center, and then have a tensioner to where all you have to do is just tighten the tensioner to pull that wheel tighter into your shaft. And the tighter you pull it, the more resistance you get. And so I really think that there's an idea there that could be developed. And the beauty of this is it's on the ground. And you can experiment on it, and you can work on it, and you can perfect it. You might say, well, how am I going to catch any wind if it's on the ground? If you really want to make something that's really going to spin, you can run all of your pulleys and everything from the underside and make the squirrel cage as tall as you want. Now, I wouldn't recommend that, but, you know, it is possible. And also, if you live in a hilly area, you simply just place your squirrel cage unit up on a hill. There are ways you can get around the fact that lower to the ground, of course, the lower the wind speed. But I hope somebody understood what I was trying to describe and I hope somebody goes ahead and builds it. My big issue with building things is that I have so many projects that are not getting done right now that if I start another one, it's almost insulting to the projects I'm not getting done. And I think that you guys out there that are busy, I think you know exactly what I'm trying to say. But the whole thing I'm trying to say here in the show is, if there's a will, there's a way. And I'm not going to let them knock me off power. Of course, I'm totally off-grid, and no one can knock me off power but myself. But I'm still coming up with different ways to generate power. And I still read about what Nikolai Tesla did back over 100 years ago, and he was really onto something. And I really do believe that everything has electric charge in it. I mean, your hair does, your circulation system, every time you feel something or smell something, all those signals are run by electricity inside your body, and everything has an electric charge. And it's just a matter of time before we're able to harness that. And I do believe that Tesla either did or came awful close to getting that done. And I've been reading about ancient technologies and seeing some of the things that mankind was able to build a 1,000 or 2,000 years ago that there's no way we could build those today. We don't have the technology to do it. So there is technology out there yet to be discovered. And there are great ideas that can happen at any time. You know, a lot of people, they wish they were an inventor. They wish they could invent something that was not only useful, but something that they could sell a bunch of and make a lot of money. And so a lot of people spend their time daydreaming about pretty complicated things, things that are useful, but maybe are a little hard to build. But in reality, you need to think of the person that invented the paperclip or the wax-coated drinking cup you get at the fast food restaurant. There are always better ways and easier ways to do anything. And the off-grid community is very resilient, very tough, very smart, and, I'm going to add, very capable. And so I would love someone to take some of those ideas and run with them. I know this term is overused, the term back to the future, but I really think that we have to kind of look back to the future and look at our grandparents and great grandparents and and all of our ancestors that came before them they were pretty smart they were pretty resilient and they were inventive and they knew that if there was a will there's a way and the motivational speaker earl nightingale he always said that what the mind of man can conceive the mind of man can achieve So think about that for a few minutes, then go ahead and get your tape measures and calculators out and start designing a system that's going to work for you. You know, I make it sound really simple, but it is as simple as that. But I think you need to be very well grounded. That's why I think you need to have a library pertaining to things that you want to do. They used to publish years ago how to do 10,000 useful things and, you know, books like that most of those are relegated to the antique stores, but they're still worth looking for. Now, I wanted to touch back on the steam. I didn't mention the flywheel. And the power of the flywheel is where you truly get your power from your steam. Because, number one, when it's on its compression stroke, if it already is spinning, the compression stroke, all of the power off that stroke goes to future rotations of the flywheel but it does not have to rotate it as it's on its power stroke because it's already spinning now if you take that heavy flywheel off and use a very light one let's say made out of tin just one sheet of tin then all of your power from your power stroke is going to turn that flywheel i know there's not a lot of resistance with a piece of tin But what I'm trying to say is, is that that 10 doesn't generate any inertia for the next rotation. And that's where you get torque from. And kind of a side note, I was having dinner with someone the other day, and I was talking about this, and I mentioned torque, and they thought I said twerk. And so I got an earful about, no, no one's going to twerk. So I had to say, no, torque, not twerk. I don't know. But anyway, you want torque. You want the flywheel to be heavy enough, and you want everything to be as balanced as possible. But another thing that that torque does is it resets for your power piston. When it's on the end of its stroke and the pressure has been released, it needs to be pushed back to its starting position again. And so that's what the flywheel does. And makes sure that everything stays in motion. But that's where you get your power from. It's from having that flywheel really spinning. And so, if you plan on using steam or small gas engines or anything like that, you have to really look at the torque. Because engines that are not high RPM engines, they rely on torque, not on RPM. And like with farm tractor engines, you never see anybody take a farm tractor engine and put it into a car or a pickup. They make a hot rod or something. No one ever uses a tractor engine. Well, the reason is, is that they're low RPM engines, but they're high torque engines. Because farm machines don't have to go fast, they just have to have power. And so everything that goes towards making an engine for a farm tractor is all about torque. And that's the same thing that you're looking for. You're not looking for a speed demon when you're making a steam engine. You want it to run along at a good clip, but you need to keep the steam engine... I would say, under 200 RPM. Anywhere between 80 and 150 would probably catch most of them. And so that's why you need your torque. And then, of course, you need to you have your pulleys geared just right. And so it'll spin your alternator, because your alternator is designed for a high RPM engine. And so what you're doing is making high RPM as your end result with a low RPM unit. And so it can be challenging with the mathematics, but generally you can get it all worked out to where everything will work just fine. Well, I hope I've given some people some ideas. Well, before I end the show, I want to make a little social comment here. I'm very concerned that Christians seem to be the object of ridicule and, even worse, death and destruction. And when you have people that are insane and also are... Possessed by Satan, go in and shoot up a bunch of school kids, and of course, we can't forget about the faculty. When we have things like that happen, the normal person just can't get their head around it. We have to understand that we're dealing with evil and we're dealing with insanity, but all of this is coming from Satan. It seems like right now, the largest growing religious organization in the Western world is the Church of Satan. And I just read today that out of the people that would consider themselves patriotic, only about 37% of people consider themselves as patriotic. 37! And the amount of people in the United States that believe in God? 36! Whereas just 10 years ago, Both of those figures were at almost 70%. And so we're in a war, folks. And we're in a war, and we're in a war for the whole culture. And I don't tell anyone to go out and hurt anybody or kill anybody. But this transgender group is now openly calling for death to anyone that is not transgender. I'm going to tell you my opinion. We need to start believing these people. They truly want you dead. And I've said many times before, Satan wants you dead broke and then dead. Well, these people are satanic. And as far as I'm concerned, they're just possessed by demons. And so we have these demon-possessed insane people that are calling for death to Christians. Death to anyone who votes conservative. A few years ago, we were hearing about the militant gay movement. But when's the last time you heard the term gay rights or gay movement? It's now transgender. And if we sit back and let these people have their way, well, the next group will be the pedophiles. Then you'll have the militant pedophiles. And then after they get their way, we'll have the people that want to marry their dog and practice bestiality. Those people, they'll get militant. Where does it stop? Well, it has to stop with sane and rational people. But I'm going to tell you first, take care of yourself if you're around this group of people. And I'm not telling you to do this, but I'm telling you what I do. If I go to a place of business that hires somebody that I consider insane, I don't go back. I don't go talk to the manager, I don't talk to the owner, I just don't go back. Because if you go talk to the owner or manager and tell them why you're dissatisfied and why you're not going to use their store, well, then you're using hate speech and all sorts of garbage that is not true. But we have to understand that these people, as a group, have declared war on you and me, and they've declared war on the United States as founded. They've declared war on Almighty God. They've declared war on all of God's children. And we just need to take them at face value. And the best thing we can do is just leave them to their own devices. Because these people are going down, and they're going down hard. And they're going to go down by their own doing. And I think that their whole problem will eventually take care of itself because these people are all attention-seeking narcissists. And so we need to just keep this group isolated. Let them do what they do. But really watch yourself. And don't put yourself in harm's way. If you're in a place that some of these people show up, it's just best to get up and leave. I'm not saying be a coward. I'm not saying run away from a problem. Just don't make a problem. Just keep a problem from happening in the first place. Now, I think where I live in flyover country, I don't think I have anything to worry about. But I have so many listeners that live in the big cities. And my heart really goes out to all of you. I just hope that you stay safe and stay away from these demonic crazy people. And I just had to pass that along because that's really been on my heart since we had these innocent children and their teachers murdered in Tennessee. That's absolutely unacceptable. But we have to know that they're being urged as a group to do things like that, and it's not going to stop with the shootings in Tennessee. So really watch yourself. I hope you got something from the show today. I always enjoy bringing the shows to you. And I really want you to think about what I talked about today and getting self-sufficient and generating your own power by using your own wits and your own ingenuity and building a steam engine or maybe a wind charger or something that's going to create power for you. You might have a great time building it, and I know that if you have something that functions well, you'll be proud of it, and it will serve you well for years. No! No! That's right. There's no dinosaur media here. Broadcasting from the Harmony Barn Studio near Hershey, Nebraska, in the United States of America. You're listening to the Living Off-Grid Powered Information Show with Jim Calhoun. I have one more subject I'd like to touch on. And that's the fact that if you go searching for different alternative ways to make power, you're going to find all sorts of information and videos concerning what look like perpetual motion machines. And most of the information and videos that I've seen seem to come out of India or somewhere in Asia. And these people are very clever. But their ingenuity lies in not the fact that they've invented some wonderful machine but what they're really trying to do is have people click on their video and they're making money that way and so they come up with some outrageous machine that of course have another power source such as batteries or something that's hidden somewhere in the structure maybe underneath their table and then they build this elaborate perpetual motion machine and there's lots of people that think that these are real and so if you're one of my listeners that is planning on Building something to generate power, such as Steam and the other methods I've talked about today, totally discount these too-good-to-be-true videos you're going to find. They're all over the internet, and unfortunately, they're all fake. And you can't afford to waste your time or your money on such nonsense. And so whatever project you decide to start, make sure you start that project with your eyes wide open. And I only got to the one topic off the letters today, but each show I'm going to pick another letter or two and get through them. So keep those cards and letters coming. I appreciate it. And I would ask that you consider donating to keep this show on the air, because it's only on the air because of the donations of you, my listener. And I take cash, check, or money order, and you would write the check out to Thunderbolt West Media. And you would mail to Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, Hershey, Nebraska, and the zip code is 69143. And no matter what the size of donation, it's very much appreciated. Well, that does it for this show. So until next time. Everyone, stay safe, stay well, stay positive, but most important of all, replace fear with faith. This is Jim Calhoun with the Living Off Grid Power and Information Show. The song Step Out on the Sea. Is performed by Brit Small and Festival. Thank you for listening to Thunderbolt West Media.